Welcome to the Balanced Babes podcast. I'm Kim Perez. I'm Amanda Montalvo. And we are functional nutritionists trained in a holistic, integrative approach to health and are founders of the Balanced Babe Method and Facebook group. We are on a mission to help women learn how to nourish their bodies, balance their hormones, and feel good in their skin. Because we've both dealt with our own health struggles, we are passionate about helping women become more in tune with their bodies and eliminate hormonal imbalances naturally through food, lifestyle habits, mindset, and targeted supplements tailored to each woman. We believe in the importance of intention, the power of intuition, and the value of prioritizing self-care. And we're here to empower all women. Before we get started, we want to remind you that we are not your doctor, and the content shared on this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please chat with your doctor before making any changes. It's Amanda. Quick question for you. What kind of deodorant do you use? My absolute favorite non-toxic deodorant is the Blue Tansy deodorant from Primally Pure. I gift it to all of my clients and I've gotten both of my sisters hooked on it. And I hear the same thing from everyone. Oh my gosh, it actually works and doesn't irritate my skin. I've tried at least 15 non-toxic deodorants and while some of them definitely work better than others, none of them compare to Primally Pure, especially the Blue Tansy one. Not only do they avoid harmful ingredients like aluminum, fragrance, and different hormone disruptors, but it won't irritate your skin and it lasts all day. You can grab your own at PrimallyPure.com and make sure you use the code BBP to get 10% off your first order. Hey, it's Amanda, one half of the Balanced Babes podcast, and I'm here with Kim. We have a really fun episode planned for you. In episode three, we talked about nutrition habits for healthy hormones, and now we're following up to that episode with today's talking about lifestyle habits for healthy hormones. We're going to cover five of our favorite habits that we use ourselves and with clients, the women that we work with, but first, we are going to go into some icebreaker questions. Are you excited, Kim? I'm excited. (laughs) So we only have two today, um, but we're trying to switch these up for you. So we hope, and if you want to share your answers with us, like feel free to send us a message on our Instagram at Balanced Babes Podcast, or you could shoot us an email, hello at Body and Balanced Nutrition, and let us know what your answers are. Um, So the first one is, what aspect of your daily routine do you look forward to most? So this one's kind of a tie for me. I feel like lately I've been getting back to journaling first thing in the morning. Um, And especially like during pregnancy, that's been really helpful, just getting thoughts on paper. So that I really, really look forward to starts my day on a really nice note. But also I really look forward to ending the workday lately, (laughs) just being done, shutting off, relaxing. Um, So I'm kind of, I'm kind of stuck between those two. What about you? My mine's also my journaling, my morning routine. I don't know what I would do without it. And it's interesting because like today, like I was 
you know, like I just didn't, I'm not in the mood. I'm like just feeling really off and stuff. And so I was like, I'm not going to journal. I'm just going to like immediately start working so I could end my day earlier. But then I was like, I'm not going to feel as good. Mm -hmm. So it really is like, I get up, I walk my dogs. We, it's like a 20 minute ish walk. And then I come back, feed them obviously. So like crying at me. And then I sit down with a cup of mushroom coffee and I journal. And it's usually only like maybe five, 10 minutes at the most, but it's just like the best way for me to like set the tone for my day and just get anything out of my head. I feel like any anxieties or worries. Um, so that's definitely like what I look forward to most. And I like journaling, especially because I, I'm, I know you have like a very specific practice and you do it all the time. I come back to it. I abandon it. I'm all over the place. But what I like is that every time I come back to it, it it's different. Like lately I've been, I actually bought a notebook um, that like, I was like, I'm going to journal. I'm going to write every morning. Like I'm writing to the baby and I'm going to tell oh my him God, like, I'm gonna stories cry. and like what's going on. Cause I don't want to forget things. So, but before that it was, you know, I would have prompts or something like that. So what are you, do you use prompts? Are you like free flow journaling? What are you doing now? So I'm in like a weird in transition because I, I really like the commanding life journal. And if anyone is like, I want to get into journaling, but I don't know what to write and you want like something to prompt you, commanding life are a great follow on Instagram, but their journal, they have like a two part journal. It ends up being like a full year if you get both. And it just like prompts you with, it only takes like maybe five minutes to do it in the morning, but it's like, what are you grateful for? Like, what's, what are you going to do today to make to make today great, ask you like a couple other questions. And then at the end of the day, there's two, just two questions. So I really like that journal. Cause like you check in in the morning and you check in at night. I finished it. I like just finished using it up last week. So this week I kind of like do a similar thing where I'm like, what am I grateful for? How am I going to make today great? And then I just kind of think about what I have to do for the day. Um, and then I have like this thing called like my one daily promise. So it's like my one thing that I'm going to do that day in order to like allow myself to feel good, like mentally and physically. Um, and that's been really, really helpful. So I'm kind of just like, I have things that I write, but then I always just like, like word vomit after, like just to like get everything out. But I find that helpful. That's awesome. All right. Well, next question, Amanda, what book are you reading right now? So I'm reading this book called three women. I think that's what it's called. I'm pretty sure. Um, my sister actually got me for my birthday this year. She got me, it's called book of the month club and it's like a monthly book club. It's like a subscription and you get like one book every month for like however long you decide to do it. And they own, they have like, maybe I think it's like four or five books you can select from and you can like skip, but this was like a really popular one. So I did it and it's like the, it's like the lives of like three women, like mainly and it goes through like a few more than that too, but it's like going through like different, the lives of like different women and like following them throughout it. And like, particularly with like sex and stuff, which like sounds, it's, it's like not as risky as it sounds. It's it's much more about like the actual woman and her life perspective and how like, just like all the typical things that we go through, but it's really neat because it's for so many different types of women. So it's like, you might not relate to like one, but like you'll relate to another. So it's pretty neat. I'm obsessed with the book of the month club. It's a cool little. And that's fiction. Um, I, be I think this one is technically, it, the technically they're all true, but mostly when I'm getting books from there, I'm getting fiction because I'm trying not to read like just stuff for research. 
Yeah, I agree. I what are you kitchen. reading? Yeah, well, on that note, <laughs> um, <laughs> the past couple months has been mostly nonfiction, but I'm reading Ina May's Guide to Breastfeeding. So if there's moms or you know pregnant women listening to this podcast, um, I loved her Guide to Childbirth. There's a ton of amazing childbirth books out there, but after I read this one, I'm like, I think, I'd, I think I'm good. I think I have enough. So um, yeah, so I'm reading her guide to, to breastfeeding and I'm also reading the vaccine-friendly plan. So both nonfiction, but again, aligned to kind of what I'm trying to learn about right now and be able to make best decisions as I can, because there's a lot. The vaccine-friendly plan, is that like, what how what does that go into like if you should or shouldn't or like a schedule so yeah I mean it's not anti-vax by any means and I'm not necessarily anti-vax it's just more so like educational and then you know informed consent learning what are each vaccine why do we do them what's the history what's the risks the pros the cons um, of doing them not doing them and you know there's a lot of conversation right now with vaccines and like lots of big laws that are getting passed and things like that but it all just comes down to we should have the power to choose. We should have the power to be informed. So before I go into a pediatrician who might say like, this is a schedule, I want to have all the information so I can say, maybe I want to delay this one or not do this one, or we definitely want to do this one and just know that for myself and my child. So it's more just like educational empowerment for that whole process. That's really cool. That'll be a really great resource too, I'm sure for some of the women listening. I know that's something like I get asked about a lot and I'm like, I don't have kids guys. Like, I don't know. You know, it's tough. It's really tough to comment. And it's, I don't even have a gut instinct on it, honestly, because I see the pros and I see the cons. But then when you really learn, there's also really great podcast vaccine conversations, which again is not pro or anti, just educational. And when you learn like why we have these certain vaccines in place and what the actual diseases are and the fact that we've eradicated a lot of them and even like when you get into what's in the actual vaccines themselves, it's really eye-opening. And I think most people, I think the majority of people don't know these things and just kind of listen, okay, government doctor tells me to do these. There's a lot of scare tactics. There's a lot of propaganda and it's tough to just become victim to that without really doing that research and learning for yourself. So that's where I'm at. I just want to learn all the things and be able to make the best decision. It's also the other end of the extreme. I was talking to my friend Monique, who I think you know, on Instagram the other day. And it was like, she's like, it just, it's also so hard because you see the other extreme where it's like the moms sharing all the crazy stories that have happened with certain vaccines. And it's like, either way, like they're just, both extremes are so difficult. And I Mm -hmm. think seeing both of them now as the vaccine conversation becomes more common and like talked about it's hard it's even more confusing <laughs> like I think no matter what hard. you're gonna get shamed for no, for any choice you make and that's what I'm starting to learn and, and there's a lot of heavy decisions that we have to make and you don't have to be on one side or the other you can find a middle ground but yeah when you get into the polar sides somebody shared a post the other day on Facebook that it was a kid wearing a shirt that said, I'm, yes, I'm vaccinated because my parents aren't morons. So I'm like, yeah, it, it, it goes both ways. You can't shame anybody, but it, I had this conversation with my husband the other day. It's just, it's about just educating yourself, empowering yourself, making the decision. And, you know, we should be able to respect anybody who does that. It's like, that's your choice no matter what, but I respect it more when you've done that education for yourself instead of just like 
jumping on the bandwagon or, you know, following what everyone else is doing, you're, you're making an independent decision based on what's best for you. Yeah, that was a really good conversation. <laughs> I feel really good <laughs> about those tangent. two. I feel really good about those two questions. I hope people I will enjoy report that. Back. I do too. I'll report back. I'm just, I actually just started that book, but I've been listening to that podcast um, particularly. And yeah, I guess if anyone's interested, I can report back on, on what I think when I finish it. Well, yeah, well, you're, we'll probably, have, I feel like now that you're going through this whole journey, we, we have to do episodes on each thing that you learn about one because I want to learn um you know for when I have kids one day and then also because I think like if I'm interested I'm like there's gotta be other women that are like I don't know what to do like or I wish I had really solid like place of resource or to know what resources are like someone else really enjoyed and someone that has a medical background you know that's like what most people ask me. And I, I like revert to Dr. Aviva Ram a lot. Mm-hmm. She did a podcast on vaccines. She, she's done a lot, not in her, as much in her current work, but in her like past life before she was a naturopathic doctor and she was a regular MD. She did a lot with vaccines in other countries. So she has a really cool perspective. So she has a podcast episode on that, on the Aviva Ram show. So you can always look at that too. But I think it's helpful just to like get this perspective from people that kind of live like in this world. Yeah. And everything that I've learned and and dove into so far, it's such a black hole and you can spiral and get so much information, but it's, it's, I'm like that with every topic. So we actually just took a breastfeeding class last night, which I loved. And I'm like reading this book and you could get really, really in depth with any of these topics. So if anyone yeah, wants us to talk about anything like that or ask questions or wants us maybe to bring a guest on who's more of an expert, we can totally do that. Just shoot us an email. Yeah, let us know. Um, I think a breastfeeding episode would be awesome. Okay, so let's get into the five lifestyle habits for healthy hormones. The first one is, I think, probably the most important because what gets measured gets managed, and it is to track your cycle. And so I think that this can feel like almost overwhelming or I get a lot of women that are like, but what should I be tracking? You know, like what should I just track my period? I think you can start with just putting your period into an app. I will say um, you probably want to do your research with which app you're using because some of them sell your information. So I know Kendara does not. Um, Flow does not anymore, but they did get in trouble with Facebook, but they like redid all their privacy settings. And I like Flow the most for how the functionality, so I still use it. Um, and then like Daisy, they're private, you know, because they have their own device. TempDrop, they're also very private. Clue, I don't, I don't know. I have, I would have to do more research and same thing with my flow. That's another great app, but you can Google this stuff and see if you're, if you like want to try an app then, and you're not sure if they sell your information to companies like Facebook, you can definitely look into that, but just getting the app and just starting to put your period in, like when you get your period, I like to track how long it is, you know, like how many days does your period last? How heavy is it? I find this really easy because I use a menstrual cup. I had a harder time um, when I was using like tampons and pads, but the menstrual cups really helpful, but you could always just put like, how many tampons did you go through that day? You know, or how many menstrual cups did you fill up? Probably not many. Cause that's a lot of blood, but you know, like thinking about that sort of thing. And then, um, so like the length of your period, the heaviness of it, and then any symptoms you had during it and leading up to it. I think that's like a really good place to start and just kind of 
paying more attention, you know, because I think it's easy to be like, oh, my period snuck up on me. And it's like, that's great that you likely didn't have any symptoms, but paying attention to where you are in your cycle can just be really helpful for your overall like mental and hormone health. Yes. And then you can even take that one step further. And we did an entire episode on this with Jenna Longoria about ovulation. I found, I started tracking my periods years ago and I honestly just put it in my calendar on my phone, but then you know, it doesn't give you all the information. Yes, it can tell you how, you know, the length of your cycle and your, your regularity, irregularity, but tracking ovulation is, is key, I think. And I try to get my clients to all do this, but it does, it, there is a learning curve. There are specific signs of ovulation, taking your basal body temperature, tracking cervical fluid, cervical positioning. Um, but it's really, really powerful to know if you're ovulating and when you're ovulating, because that tells you more than your period can, I think. So yes, there's the Daisy, which I use um, or have used. And then the Kandara has the Wink and then the Ava Fertility Bracelet. Is that the bracelet? Yeah, that's the bracelet. And then the Temp Drop, which I know you recently started using. Yes, I've been using it for two cycles and I will never use anything else. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm wondering if what I'll, what I'll, go back to when I get back to all this. Um, but I'd like to, you know, kind of look into that one too, or you can just buy a basal body thermometer and, you know, 20 bucks or less and start tracking your temperature every morning. And that's going to give you really clear signs about when you ovulate and how, you know, more in depth information on your cycle, which is really important because if you want to have healthy hormones, you have to know, okay, where are my hormones right now? And that's why tracking your cycle is number one for us because you can't really get any feedback if you don't know where your starting point is and you don't know what specific habits and nutrition and even the things that we're going to talk about today, then you have some way to track your progress and track what certain things actually do improve your cycle. Maybe you don't ovulate or you ovulate late. You can start to see all the different nutrition habits and lifestyle habits and how they potentially affect that and what helps it and maybe what doesn't. Yeah. And I think the other kind of important thing to consider is like we women are not the same every day. Like it would be so it, you, I feel like you wouldn't really have to track that much if we were, if every day we were supposed to feel the same, but because we fluctuate because our hormones fluctuate throughout our cycles, that makes it so it's like harder, right? There's just a little bit more to keep track of. When you start tracking consistently, like now, it's much easier for me to like zoom out and really look at the big picture and see my changes throughout my cycle. But when you first start and you start looking at things like ovulation and not just putting your period into the app or your calendar, that's when it can kind of be like, oh, okay, like I'm actually noticing that, you know, once I'm towards my fertile phase, my ovul ovulatory phase, I like don't have as much energy, but like maybe I should, you know, and Kim did a really amazing series um, on her Instagram at Root and Branch Nutrition. And in her highlights, it's called Cycle Syncing. We are also going to do an episode on cycle syncing. But if you are like wanting to like kind of learn more about that now, I would go and look at that because she goes through like the different phases, what's happening in your body, what you can expect to feel. And it doesn't mean that every woman's going to feel that way and experience their cycles that way. Way, but it's a really good place to start getting familiar with what kind of should be happening or like optimally would be happening with your body. And then as you track, like we recommend this as a first step because as you start to track, you can notice like 
where is my energy dipping in my cycle? Like, do I have a lot of pre-period symptoms that maybe I wasn't paying attention to? And like, for me, I know I just felt crazy all the time, especially after I got off the pill. I just like felt like a psycho. And it was really hard because I didn't understand my cycle. And I didn't understand that my, like, I wasn't supposed to feel the same every day. So when I started tracking, it gave me a lot of relief and just like, okay, like this is normal. And like this, this is why you don't have as much energy this week and stuff like that. Exactly. Because instead of taking like a snapshot of time saying like, wow, I'm really tired. My hormones must be really messed up. If you're tracking your cycle and you're seeing when you're really actually tired, it's probably not every day. It could be just before or during your period. Then you get to see, okay, this is maybe normal. And then you also get to see what's not normal. Maybe you feel really exhausted around ovulation when typically you should have a little bit more energy. So you get to just kind of notice those patterns for yourself and it makes the rest of everything that you're going to do to help your hormones a lot easier when you just have that baseline. Yeah. And so just really quick, like for the basal body temperature thing, it's a, it's a temperature first thing in the morning before you get out of bed. So that's why you can use different thermometers. You can go get a cheap one. Most of my clients start off with a drugstore basal body thermometer. It just needs to be able to go to the hundredth. So like 97.75, not just 0.7. So as long as it goes to that hundredth decimal point, you're totally fine. And that will work. The reason a lot of things can impact it. So that's why like I got the temp drop because it measures your temperature all night. It's a little armband that you wear. You can't even feel it. And you turn it on and it monitors your, it monitors your temperature all night. And so that way, like if I get up 5 a.m. one day and 7 a.m. the next day, like I'm not going to see a big giant change in my body temperature, which you can with the basal body thermometer. So it, I think it makes it a little bit more accessible. It's not crazy expensive. They have cheaper options um, and it's worth the investment anyway. And you can usually use your HSA to get a daisy or a temp drop. Most like um, flexible spending in HSAs will do that, which is pretty neat. So that's the first one. Track your cycle. Um, you get an app. You can use pen and paper, whatever you want to do, whatever works for you. And then the second one is managing stress. And I feel like we talk about this a lot. And I just did an Instagram post about this. Um, so managing stress is such a big deal for a lifestyle hormone habit because our stress directly impacts our hormones. And we are going to do a full episode diving into all this. But we just want to kind of highlight that we all have stress. And like, I think that sometimes we can like let that kind of overtake us and just be like, well, I can't eliminate the stress. I'm always going to have stress. And like, yes, like you will always have different stressors in your life. But when you start to recognize that, like, maybe some of that stress isn't totally necessary, you know, maybe you can remove some of those stressors from your life, like putting boundaries up um, and like kind of coming up with your non-negotiables for what's going to allow you to feel the best each day. Like Kim and I talked about our morning routines or our, our morning rituals, whatever you want to call it and how like we, how we like start our day. And it's one of the things we look forward to most. And that's a really great way to manage your stress, right? Is like starting your day like that. So considering what stressors are present in your life and then what you can do to be realistic about them, maybe removing things if possible. I like to like look at my schedule each week and look at like, what do I really need to be doing? And like, is this really all necessary? Because it's, I mean, at least for me, it's really easy for me to like pack my schedule full and be like, yes, I'm so excited to do all this stuff. And then that week comes and like by Tuesday I'm exhausted. And it's like, that's not helping anyone, you know, and especially not me. So getting realistic with your schedule, looking at your different stressors and trying to like slowly reduce them can be really helpful. 
another book I recently read was Do Less by Kate Northrup. And if you're trying to get into how to manage your stress as well as how to sync with your feminine cycle, I highly, highly recommend this book. But she has a really great um, to-do list chapter and three questions. And I've just started doing this myself. Every time she makes her to-do list, it's does this need to get done? Does this need to get done right now? And does this need to get done by me? And it starts to really clarify what's really, really important, what is absolutely you know, necessary for you to do, and what can maybe you ask for help with or put off to another day. Because even I know that, like sometimes I'll make my to-do list for the day and I have like three big things I have to do. So I'm like, okay, well I have time. So I can pay this bill that's not due for another month or I can you know, make my Instagram post for next week, like just adding stuff because I have empty space and it's no, like that doesn't need to get done. Or if it's something that can ask my husband to do or my mom or someone like ask for help on something, it's just crazy. Like we pile ourselves so, you know, with so many different things that we quote unquote need to do and we don't really. So I really specifically like that because I'm that type of person as well. What um, are the questions again? Can you say them one more time? Does this need to get done? Does this need to get done by me? And does this need to get done right now? Okay. I hope I'm not butchering that. It's, it's along those lines. I don't know if it's specific, but yeah, it's, it's, it's those three questions. And you kind of just reframe your to-do list from there and you can cross things off and delegate and whatever else. And I know I got this from you and we actually, and you got this from a woman that's in our Balanced Babes community is the must-do list and the can-do list, yeah. right? I love that. I do that every day. I do my like need to do this, could do this. And sometimes that helps me a lot because if I do have extra space during the day or maybe you know something that I needed to do takes a lot less time than I thought it would, I can have some freedom. Because a lot of times the could do's are things that are maybe more fun or for like my own business where the must do's are things that are like obligations and maybe I don't really want to do them, but I have to. So it, it does require, it does allow for a little bit of flexibility and even some more ease and fun into my day when I can say, oh, cool, I'm going to do this thing. A lot of times my could-do list will have like do some yoga or stretch so that when I do have that space, I know that, you know, maybe I'm not doing something that's an obligation, but it's still productive for my self-care. So yeah, structuring your to-do list in whatever way works for you is really, really important for managing your stress. Yeah, I like that. I do the must do or like the need to do, can do, like could do whatever list every day. And that really helps me too. So like with journaling, we talked about, that's like another really great tool. It doesn't have to be in the morning. You can do it whenever you want. Like if you get a lunch break and you want to journal, like do that. Um, some other things that I would consider that are more like tools that you can use. Like I think one thing like that we've talked about before is like meditation and like I specifically do like a heart focus breathing method. It's, I don't know if you call it meditation. It's, it's just like, it's called heart math and there's like lots of science behind it. It's basically you're doing a specific type of breathing and you're focusing on your heart and your intention around that. And you could think of even a feeling like I pick a feeling that I want to think of like gratitude or like appreciation or love or something like that. And you basically are like breathing in and out of your heart thinking about that feeling and you breathe like slowly and you're you use this like little sensor you don't have to use a sensor but I do because I like that kind of stuff and it measures my HRV so it's that's like the time between your heartbeats and it each time I do it it tells me like okay like you are able to get into a really relaxed state or you did not and this is what your heart rate was like <laughs> 
so it's nice because it like you can see what impacts that I, I do music a lot with it I'll put a song on and I listen to it and I like breathe the song and so I've found like different songs that like can calm me down and then I can use that during my day not just like once a day but like throughout the day that's really interesting I am one that I need I need guided meditations I have talked to a lot of women too and we actually I actually just spoke with someone the other day. It's like, I feel like I'm wasting time when I'm meditating because my mind is all over the place. A, you know, the goal of meditation is not to shut off your mind. It's more to like focus and, and direct your thoughts, but I need some sort of guiding. So I use the insight timer app. I tried like at least five, but this one is stuck because there's meditations for absolutely everything. And I found it to be really, really helpful when I was having a lot of like early on pregnancy insomnia where I would wake up in the middle of the night and not be able to go back to sleep. And they actually have podcasts, I'm sorry, episodes or guided meditations for that specific reason. So I was like, okay, if they have a meditation to help you get back to sleep and you wake up in the middle of the night, they must have a ton. So if I feel overwhelmed during the day, I can go and put like a five minute meditation for overwhelm and it's free. And there's just so much in there. And I have not found anything that's that extensive for being free. And they also have, I think it's a seven day. I want to say seven, maybe it's five, but they have it's an seven. Intro, it's seven. The intro to meditation series, which is awesome because a lot of people are like, I don't know where to begin. I don't know what meditation even is. I hear it's really good. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what it is. So that's like 10 minutes a day of meditation and you get like a streak every time you do it day to day. So it's motivating and it keeps you accountable so that's what I use when I need it yeah that's my favorite app to refer people to and the the seven day free it's a free trial the whole thing is free but that I like that especially for like an introduction to meditation because it's not just one type there are so many different types of meditation you know and like I think it's really important to like experiment and find what you like and so with that that seven day series, like they go through different types and then that way you can like try to apply it at another time. And I, I they do mention that, like they say, like, I know in like one of the first couple, um, guided meditations in that seven day series, they talk about like, just like mindfulness meditation. And like when you're washing your dishes, like don't do anything else, just like sit there and really focus on washing the dishes and like not like, or it's like just focus on one thing that can be meditative and get you into like a flow state. So like little things like that, it can sound really simple and it can almost sound like hard to do, but when you start doing it, even just in the morning, like the longer you do it, I found for myself with meditation when I do it every day or most days in the morning after like a couple weeks I start thinking about it later in the day and I think that's when it really has the biggest impact on your health and your hormones because you're not just getting to that relaxed state one time a day you're like able to tap into that throughout the day and like when it comes to hormones and stress and how stress negatively impacts our hormones if we have too much of it that's what it's about it's about you're in the stressed out state too frequently. And when we're in that stress state, we aren't prioritizing things like hormone production. So that's why we mentioned things like heart focused breathing and like heart math, meditation apps, like taking a bath, journaling, that kind of thing, because it allows you to get into that relaxed state more frequently, which is what's going to allow you to keep your hormones balanced. Sometimes you need a little help with this. I talk about acupuncture a lot. I've been doing acupuncture pretty consistently for almost two years, but even before that, I, I actually, I did do it um, throughout my master's when I was stressed out. 
acupuncture has amazing benefits for so many different reasons, but I specifically love it because sometimes I just have a really big problem. It's very challenging for me to get into that super relaxed, really, really deep rested state. And acupuncture helps me to do that because you're laying there, you've got needles, it's dark, close your eyes, little music on, and you are forced to relax. And sometimes I'll fall asleep or I'll get into like a, you know, middle sleep or I'm not awake, not asleep type meditative state. And I leave feeling like I just woke up from a 10 hour nap. It's wonderful. So sometimes you do need a little bit of help and that's where apps and tools and things like that come into play. But maybe you do something like acupuncture or massage, or you go to a yoga or meditation class, or maybe you work with a therapist. Like there's so many other ways that you can manage your stress and it's going to be really, really different for everyone. But it's for me, it's like, I just need a routine. If there's something every day that I can do, and then I go to acupuncture weekly or biweekly, that works for me. It might not work for you, but just find what works for you and do it. Yeah. Experimenting. I think that's the key. And just remembering to be realistic with your energy and your schedule like that. You can't really skip that step. You know, like it can be really helpful. Okay. So that is number two. So we went through tracking your cycle, managing your stress and we give you a bunch of tools for that. Number three lifestyle habit for healthy hormones is getting enough sleep. And I think this is like a really obvious one. And I think it's people talk about it more now. It used to be kind of like sleep when you're dead type situation. Um, and now I feel like people are like, Oh, like it's so important to get sleep. And I see so many like nutrition coaches and stuff like that talking about like, you got to get your sleep. Like if you want to lose fat and it's really cool because it's very true, but we also need our sleep for our hormones. And one of the biggest things is cause like we talked about in step two of managing stress, when we're in that stressed out state too much, which like not getting enough sleep will put you in more because your body is like basically at a deficit and you, it can create hormone imbalances. We are not prioritizing hormone production. We're doing that when we sleep. And if you work out, that's when you're rebuilding the muscle. Like a lot of people like, oh, I lift weights and stuff. Like I had so many friends when I used to compete in CrossFit that would like they compete in CrossFit, they worked a regular job and they'd only, and they'd coach and they'd only get like six hours of sleep. And I'm like, and you're not getting any of those gains, you know, like you're, you're not getting better as an athlete because you're not recovering. So sleep is so important for muscle recovery, for hormone production, for detox, and just for like resetting our digestion. I find a lot of my clients that have digestive issues also have a hard time sleeping. So just kind of prioritizing, okay, how can I get at least seven hours of sleep, which means you need to get into bed before seven hours because it's normal to not be sleeping the whole time you're in bed. Like most of like, if it's a really good night for me, I'm only awake for like 40 minutes. But for me, it's like, I need to go to bed and have a nine hour chunk of sleep, like nine hour chunk of time so that I can get eight hours of sleep. So it's like keeping those little things in mind can be really helpful. And also energy, right? Like hormones, detox, digestion, but also restore your energy by sleeping and everything else you're going to do throughout the day is made so much easier when you have energy. When your energy is depleted, you're less likely to eat well. You're less likely to go to the gym. You're less likely to do your morning routine. Like just think about that as a fundamental, restoring your energy, restoring your hormones, really, really important. Um, and something else that is really important about sleep, you know, barring if you have other restrictions like you work at night or you have a newborn baby I'm sure I'm gonna be in this real soon but going getting your sleep along with your natural circadian rhythm so our bodies have this internal biological clock and we're naturally most energized when there's light and we're naturally 
calm and, and set to relax and rest and recover when it's dark. So that means get your, you know, seven, at least eight hours of sleep every night, but try to wake up. If you can wake up with the sun, that's great. If not, get natural light first thing in the morning. So get outside. Something I do is I just go on my little porch and I drink my coffee or tea and I journal and I do that outside, even if it's just five minutes or you can open the shades, just get some light in and that's going to naturally wake up your hormones, naturally increase your cortisol when it's supposed to be high in the morning. And then on the opposite end, make sure that it's dark at night when you're winding down, block artificial night at light. We're going to talk about some tips for getting good quality sleep, but block artificial light, go to bed at a reasonable hour and work with your body's natural rhythms to get that sleep. And that's going to translate to better hormones. And the more consistent you can be with that, because like it can be really hard to reset your circadian rhythm at first, right? Like if you're off, like if you like are sleeping when it's light out and you're up like at late at night, like if you find yourself being like a night owl, it can be really hard to reset this. But by doing those things that can mention like getting light first thing in the morning and reducing light exposure at night, even just turning off the lights in your house, you know, it's, it's like that's one of the biggest things you can do and that even like I have moved around a lot and I've been all over the place the last like eight months and my sleep was getting messed up for a little bit, but it's cause I wasn't doing that. Right. I was like, I didn't have my blackout shade. So I had to get like, but I got like a sleeping mask and that helped me sleep better at night. Cause it blocked out that light. But then, you know, cause I was living at my parents and then I was at my sister's, they didn't do those things at night. It was like, almost too bright in the house. And I was like, so I just started doing that. And I, I would go in my room and have it be dark in there. And even those little things, they can help reset that for you. So if you feel like I'm an, I'm an like night owl, I don't, I do best at night. It's not necessarily that that's like a bad thing, but you could, you know, sh even if you just shift those hours a little bit, it doesn't have to be like to an extreme. Even if you just get to bed like an hour earlier, it could be really helpful. Absolutely. And if you want to go like really into it, I don't know if you've heard this, it's either two days or three days sleeping in nature can reset your circadian rhythm. So if you're somebody who likes to camp and you know that when you camp, you go to sleep when it's dark and you wake up really early when it's light and it feels good. I, at least for me, yeah. I always feel good when I sleep outside. So if you want to really reset things, you can do that too. Um, but there's a, a lot of different tips that you can use for quality sleep. So, you know, we're not just telling you get enough sleep. We want to help you do it. So number one is going to be blocking that blue light. So that's your light that's emitted from electronics, like your phone, your computer, your TV. I know a lot of people, the nighttime is the time where they, you know, scroll through their phone or watch TV or maybe catch up on work. And it's not that it's necessarily you want to stop those things. I mean, you probably do want to limit them, but just block the blue light. So either use blue blocking glasses, which you can get a pair on Amazon for maybe $10 or use apps on your phone. The, the, um, iPhone has the night shift mode where it just makes your screen look a little orange. You can use like Flux for your, um, your computers and just try to limit that blue light because what that does is that artificial light is blocking melatonin, which is your naturally sleepy hormone. So that's going to make you not be able to sleep, get to sleep, but also stay asleep. So try to block that blue light. And with that, just wind down. A lot of people I talk to, especially clients, I get clients who they work late, they go to the gym, they come home, they're cooking, they might be taking care of kids and just running around the house. And then all of a sudden it's 11 o'clock and they're like trying to get to sleep. No wonder your body can't, 
your body's just not primed to, to rest and relax. So do something every night, even if it is just 10 minutes. Take a bath, read, do a five-minute meditation on an app or something like that. Whatever helps you relax. Maybe it's like drink a cup of tea. Sit and watch a show if that's cool. Like that does help me relax. I know that most nights, depending on what I'm watching. But find some sort of routine to help you wind down at night. Prepare for sleep and get your body used to that feeling of, okay, now it's time to go to bed. Yeah. And the more consistent you can be with that, it doesn't have to be the same thing every night like that. I like the word ritual because it's like, basically you can have a bunch of tools that you like, and then just choose whatever tool you want to do that night. So like some nights you might do a bath, but like, that's probably not going to be every night, you know? So like, then you could meditate on those other nights or read or whatever. So having that and being consistent with it, also avoiding caffeine after 2 p.m., I would say like 12 for me, it's 11 AM <laughs> for me. It's like 11 AM is my cutoff or I will just be a nutcase. So it, it not even like I'll still be tired, but I, my brain won't shut off, you know? So that's something that can be really, really helpful. If you are someone reaching for that in the afternoon, I think we kind of all know that we shouldn't be. Um, but it, it's like really just kind of honing in on what's the benefit going to be for you? Like when you don't do it and then you finally see like, oh, I'm actually like falling asleep better or waking up feeling more rested. That's when you can make it a much more sustainable habit. We talked about sleeping in the dark, right? Like just removing the lights in general. I have blackout shades and that has been the biggest game changer for my sleep. And it's funny because I haven't put them up in my apartment yet because I'm going to make my husband do it when he gets home. <laughs> Cause I just can't do it. Um, it's too high. And I, I have, I got a stool because I'm so short and everything in this apartment <laughs> is so high, but the stool isn't high enough for me to get the curtains up. So <laughs> I'm refusing to do it and I'm going to make him do it when he gets home. But I noticed the difference in my sleep, like the sleep mask helps. It does, but like, it's not the same. It's, right. it's because even, and there's a, there's a, book oh god I forget what it's called but it's all about sleep and even the light like from your tv like the little if you have a tv in the room even that little light can impact your melatonin which is that sleep hormone yeah I actually recently had to get a, a humidifier for my room because pregnancy and your sinuses it's this whole thing and it has this little blue light on the button and it drives me insane and it's next to my bed and after using it for about a week I'm like why do I feel like I'm, I'm getting up all hours of the night anyway, but I feel like I wasn't getting good sleep. And then I put, um, I put something in front of it to block that light. And I swear, even yeah. that one, it's like the size of my pinky nail and it still bothers me. Yeah. Like the princess and the pea, but it's true. I, and I also just got, we didn't get blackout. We got room darkening. So it's like the next level down. I swear to God, those things are a game changer. I sleep so good. I wake up feeling super rested for the most part, at least now. And I never had them before. And I didn't realize how much I would actually like them. Oh man. It makes your room like a dark little cave. It's so nice. So you, and those, I got mine on Amazon. Um, I want to say like six years ago and I still have the same. They're, they're great. It's so if you're looking for like blackout shades, there's a bunch of different types. I have like the curtains, they have like the actual shades, but mm -hmm. look into it and it can be really, really helpful. Uh, a couple supplement, like things you can do to help at nighttime. I love magnesium. I use like a magnesium oil spray, but the Epsom salt baths, those also have magnesium. So that's like another way to get it. You could take an oral supplement. It, it, it does kind of differ with everyone, how well they absorb them. Magnesium glycinate is pretty good. L3 and A, 
magnesium three and eight, like it, it's, they can be helpful, but I find it's best to do both. So like you can take an oral magnesium and then you can use a magnesium oil, like a spray. Um, Ancient Minerals is a great brand. They, people make lotions now, obviously just double check that there's no like toxins in there, but magnesium is great for relaxing. It's good for our nervous system. Holy basil tea, Tulsi tea, valerian root, lemon balm. Those are all really great to consider having at nighttime to help wind down. I don't do this now. It's way too hot in Texas, but in the winter time, like that, that's my nighttime routine. And I, my husband does it with me. He doesn't love the taste, but like he did, he's very like, you know, he's great. He's a lot of food, good food. Like he's very healthy, but like certain things like that, he's like, I don't want to do it. I don't like it. But then I was like, just try it and see how you feel. And he's not a good sleeper and it helped him a lot. And so he was like, okay, fine, I'll do this. So it's like, it's, it's a really great routine to get into. I think at nighttime, maybe like not in the summer, but once it gets a little bit cooler out, um, that can be helpful. I also like Rishi. And I forgot yeah. to, um, I haven't used it in so long, but yeah, Rishi is amazing for calming at night too. And you can make like Four Sigmatic makes the Rishi hot cocoa. So it can just be an entire ritual of the experience of having a good nourishing, actually good quality ingredient, hot chocolate that also helps to relax you. So, all right, that's sleep number three. So number four is going to be switch your products to less toxic ones. Um, and we're going to go through different types of products, but this is essentially any product that you are ingesting, using on your skin, inhaling, so like cleaning products, cooking products, etc. cetera. Um, as Amanda quickly mentioned before, depending on what's in that product really, really does affect your hormones. And there's tons, I mean, millions of different <laughs> products out there. And I think it's easy to get wrapped up in marketing or like, you know, this this product my friend uses and it works really well for her. And why has nobody looked into these ingredients or even monitored them? Or there's no, you know, very little regulations, at least in the United States about ingredients and products. And it's kind of scary when you think about you're either ingesting this or putting it on your skin, which is absorbing everything. Um, and there's chemicals in these products that act as hormones, xenoestrogens, mimic hormones in your body, can really, really disrupt your natural estrogen balance, can block receptor sites, can increase your sex hormone binding globulin. So essentially anything that has these specific chemicals and toxins in them can really, really mess with your hormones without you even realizing it. I know for me, I was so focused on nutrition and exercise and all these other things. And then I opened this Pandora's box of products and I was like, holy crap, um, this is insane. <laughs> of all these different things and, and no one, I mean, it's, it's definitely getting talked about more, but at least in the last like five years, but before that, I feel like nobody ever talked about these things and that's scary. I mean, think about it this way. The U S only restricts 30 chemicals from going into personal care products. So, and there's very little regulation around like in personal care products is like beauty, um, like skincare, makeup, uh, any like toothpaste, soap, shampoos, all lotion, like all that kind of stuff. And so only 30 like ingredients are actually restricted. And when you start to like dive into this stuff, you realize like there's thousands restricted in the, in Europe, like in their, in their guidelines, they, thousands of 
chemicals are restricted. And the thing is like a lot of these chemicals that are allowed in haven't been studied. Mm -hmm. They haven't been researched on how they impact us. So that's why we talk about like, look at your products. We, you don't have to be perfect. And I think that's really important to think about because when you think about the toxins in your products, it's all cumulative. So that means that every product that you remove, as soon as you're not putting that on your skin or in your body, it's, you've already reduced that burden on the body. So I think it's, I know when I first started, I was like, oh my God, I got to switch everything over, you know, like every single thing that I have. And it was really overwhelming. And then I ended up getting stuff that I didn't really like. And then I felt like there was no good products out there. I mean, there's way more now. I was doing this like seven years ago. So I feel like there's so much now, but even just thinking about like switching one thing a month, that's what I tell my clients. I'm like, pick one product a month. That would be 12 products a year. And if there is 10 ingredients minimum in every product, usually there's like 20, then that's like 120 ingredients plus that you are chemicals that you are no longer putting in your body. So if you think about it that way, I think it's a little less stressful. Some of the things you want to think about are like, we mentioned like makeup, skincare products, deodorant, lotions, like sunscreen, um, soap, cleaning products, all those types of things. And luckily there's a lot of great brands now, like Kim mentioned, you want to be careful with greenwashing. And that is when a company makes their product look really natural, could be with their packaging, which is what I see a lot. I see Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff with packaging. And then when you look at the actual ingredients, it's like fragrance. And if you were only going to eliminate one thing to start, I would say make it fragrance because it's easy to find on labels. Fragrance can mean over a thousand different chemical combinations. So it's not just one thing. It's like a bunch of different ingredients can be labeled as fragrance. Um, And it's the one thing that like, it's a huge chemical or hormone disruptor. So it's a good one to like start with. Um, Some brands that we really like, especially for like, skincare and like personal care products like primarily pure is one of my favorite companies it's owned by women and they all pretty much all women work there for the most part they have like some guys that work kind of like in the background but it's really cool they have like an s a holistic esthetician on staff and my favorite is their deodorant the blue tansy deodorant i'm just obsessed with it um and we actually got uh we created a partnership with them because we love them so much and we wanted to give you a discount for our listeners and all the women in our Facebook group. So you can use the code DBP to get 10% off your first order. And I, they have a lot of amazing stuff like their dry shampoo. They have oil cleansing um, blends for different skin types, moisturizers, soaps. They got a baby little baby kit, like baby soaps and baby oil. It's, they've got a lot of great stuff. I'm excited. I just got that blue tansy deodorant because I feel like over the past, well, since I got pregnant, really, deodorant has been, I've been trying so many different ones. I found a couple that I like, but they're a little, um, a little more expensive. So I just got the Blue Tansy and really excited to try that one. But honestly, my, I haven't tried as many Primally Pure as you, but I'm obsessed with their, their lip balm. Their lip balm is I gave the that to you, right? best lip balm I think <laughs> I've ever used. It's crazy. And we actually, when I went to the NTA conference, Primally Pure was there. And so we had like these little swag bags and then we got some, some of their stuff in there and I got their cocoa butter. It's like seriously three ingredients, the absolute best lip balm. It sounds ridiculous, but um, yeah, so that's cool. Uh, beauty counter. We also love your beauty counter affiliate. I use all their makeup. That's one of the first things I swapped after deodorant was all of my makeup. And I also just find it, it works better. It doesn't clog my pores. I'm not breaking out as much. 
I don't feel like I have makeup on, which is really important to me. I don't really love makeup, but I use it. Um, 100% Pure is also a great company if you're looking for makeup and other products. So yeah, like we said, there's tons out there. So just do your research, find what works for you. Um, I love the EWG, the Environmental Working Group app. They have the Healthy Living app. And that's where I definitely started because it's overwhelming. There's so many different ingredients. There's so many different companies. How do you know? This app's really cool because you can scan things. You can also look up EWG verified products. I've been doing that a lot with baby things like soaps and detergents. Um, so you can look up and, and just order those products or you can scan your products. You can scan the products that you're buying and um, see like where they, where they fall in terms of how toxic and how clean they are. And if you can't find something in there, which happens to me a lot, um, they have a lot in there though. Like that, I made that sound really dramatic. They have a lot in there. I just sometimes like if I'm at the grocery store trying to scan stuff, it's not in there. I'll look at the ingredients and if an ingredient name sounds weird, you can also look up individual ingredients, which I think is really nice. And that way you can like get, like educate yourself a little bit more if you are looking for a product or sometimes if I'm trying to buy locally, like those products aren't going to be in there most likely. So then I'll look up the ingredients if anything looks weird, just to make sure. Um, a couple other things to consider are your menstrual products. You know, we are literally inserting these inside ourselves for the most part every single month. And a lot of menstrual products have xenoestrogens in them, specifically dioxin. It's been banned, but guess what? They made a new form. So it comes up completely differently. But when they test Men, sir, they've done like a lot of testing once once it was banned to see if it was still showing up in products to see if a company was like kind of trying to bypass it. Um, they even though it wasn't on the ingredients list and they had a different form, it was still found in a lot of the products. So go for organic cotton if you're going to do tampons and pads. We love menstrual cups. The Lena cup is amazing. You can use the code. Um, I think it's Balance Babes something it's it's on our it's on it's in our facebook group um balance babes community and get five dollars off we're not affiliated with them we just like them and they would they were like here's a discount code for your people salt cups are great and then diva cups i mean honestly there's a lot of menstrual cups out there so if you're not sure what to do um you can google like menstrual cup comparison and i think one of the first options that comes up is this website all about menstrual cups and it like breaks down the differences and teaches you how to measure your measurements and like your in your cervix and stuff so that you can pick a cup so they're really great it's a lot cheaper period panties I love I wear them all the time have you tried period panties not yet so that's one thing maybe I'll, maybe that will be my gift for you after the baby so one thing that my sister said after her pregnancy was like she had a lot of bleeding and it was really hard for her obviously like you she was nursing she had a C-section, so like she couldn't get up as easily and everything, but she was like, oh my gosh, I just constantly need to change my pad. And I was like, mind blown, period panties for postpartum. Yeah, I actually was looking into that, so I was going to ask you which ones you use because the pads that they give you are just like not, I don't know, they're just bulky and I hear a lot of people have issues when they're like rolling over and sleep and just moving, so um there's a couple companies that make like almost depends types of underwear. <laughs> it's like postpartum underwear, but they're disposable. So I'd rather invest in a good pair of period panties that I can actually wash. Um, yeah. yeah. So I haven't tried those yet, but I, I probably will. 
they're amazing. They're super absorbent and they make, they just make everything feel much cleaner than a pad. I couldn't even wear pads because I see a lot of irritation. Um, so like I was always doing tampons and the menstrual cups are great, but sometimes I just don't want to put something in and I just want to do like the period panties. I use them mostly at nighttime too. And like the first day of my periods, it's like the heaviest for me. So they're amazing. They're worth the investment. And again, like I was probably spending 20 bucks a month on menstrual products before. And I was, I was like, I don't want to buy a menstrual cup. It's 30 bucks. You know, that's like a ripoff. And then I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> like two months of tampons. <laughs> it's like two months of tampons. And then like with the menstrual cup, it lasts forever kind of. Yes. So the next category, um, is cleaning products. And this is really important. Um, because you know, you're inhaling these things, maybe you're getting them on your skin, depending. But um, yeah, so your cleaning products, one that I've recently started using is BioClean, B-I-O-K-L-E-E-N. Um, -E -E um, and I found them when I was doing research for detergents for um, baby clothes because Dreft, which is the number one recommended, like the one that everybody knows, I think is rated as an eight on the EWG app. Wow. Which is high, like very high. And that's what everybody tells you to use. And it smells like baby, but it's full of chemicals. And then everything else I was looking up was still coming up as like fives and sixes, even though they're like these natural baby detergents. So I found BioClean and also the seventh generation unscented powdered um, detergent to be the best rated and, you know, the best rated, but also the most accessible. Like there were some on there that were, I could find them on Amazon. They weren't on Prime. They were really, really expensive. So I'm also just trying to be realistic. But those are two that I found to be really, um, to be really clean. Where did you get the BioClean? Amazon? Amazon. And we actually just ordered their carpet cleaner because my new apartment has carpet. I've never had carpet before. Um, so I was like, oh my God, all the carpet cleaners out there, the spot treatments, like they're just, like they're so bad in terms of what the hell's in them. So um, I did a little bit of research, I actually used the EWG app and find like their verified ones and BioClean came up. They have a spot treatment and they also have a carpet cleaner. So I literally just ordered that yesterday. So hopefully it's good, but I, like I love it a lot. I'm going to have to, I haven't heard of them and I haven't tried any of their stuff. So I'm, I'll have to look on Amazon. Um, so carpet cleaner, I use baking soda and you put that on the carpet and then essential oils I usually do lemon or like some citrus and you let it sit for 10 minutes and then you vacuum it up and your house smells amazing um that's but when you it's interesting because I, I just got branch basics because they have the cleaner concentrate I used to use Rocky Mountain oils cleaner concentrate because it's way cheaper in the long run because you're using a small amount it's better for the environment it's better for you and so I wanted to try the Branch Basics one um, because it has a lot of good reviews and they also teach you how to make it into laundry detergent. So you basically have this one cleaning concentrate and you use it for everything. And they do have this like powder oxidation cleaner that you can use for laundry and you can use for carpet cleaner. So, I mean, I say if you're going to switch to your cleaning products, find a good cleaning concentrate like the Branch Basics, like the Rocky Mountain Oils Cleaner Concentrate. They're, they're, they work really well. And it's like, then you're not constantly going out and buying cleaning products. Everyone loves Branch Basics and that's one that I have not tried. So I probably need to, or at least look into it because everyone I talk to, and I'm in a couple of different groups and I ask like, you know, what's a good, whatever cleaner. And I always get somebody that says Branch Basics. So I have to look into that. And then also, like you said, baking soda. I feel like baking soda and vinegar can clean a lot. 
and I still use those a lot, even though I like these other cleaners, like I make like a toilet cleaner with that. I, I had to like my, um, bathtub kept filling up, you know, like it, it, like the drain gets clogged and it's literally just baking soda and white vinegar and it like foams and it gets rid of all of that. And you don't have to use like Drano, which like, I don't even want to know what's in that. <laughs> no, not at all. All right. So cleaning products. And then the last one I think that's really important is your, your cookware and your kitchen products. So there's one thing that you do in your kitchen that's going to help your hormones is get rid of plastic. So food storage, water, et cetera, switch over to, I use glass storage containers. Um, there's things like the stasher bag instead of using plastic bags. So get rid of plastic. Um, also a water filter. I got a Berkey about a year ago and it's probably the best, my favorite product that we have. It cleans so much crap out of your water and your water honestly tastes better. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but it absolutely does. They're an investment, but honestly not that much, depending on the size, they're only a couple hundred dollars and you replace the filters like every one to two years. So that's really important. And then your cookware, nonstick cookware is so, the stuff that's in that and then the longer you use it and you notice like that coating coming off, that's, it's in your food. It's just, when I really realized that I was really turned off by it. So a couple of things we use, we use cast iron, we use um, the green pan, which is a ceramic nonstick and um, stainless steel. Yeah, I hate stainless steel. It just never works for me, but I still have one stainless steel pan that I'll use for things. Cause remember you're heating it whenever, like still people ask me a lot about silicone, like, should I use silicone? Is it toxic? But like, if you, there, there's not a ton of research around the silicone that's heated. I always get like food grade based stuff, but sometimes I heat it. Like if I am using the silicone muffin holders, mm -hmm. cause it's like, I don't do it all the time, but for the most part, it's not being heated. You know, like the, the silicone baggies, I use silicone ice holder ice cube things, ice cube trays, yeah, which is like life-changing because like I've broken so many plastic ice cube trays in my it's life. It's so much easier to get out. I don't know why silicone. everyone doesn't use them. It's like, it's hysterical. I'm like, this is like genius. It's like blowing my mind right now. Um, so like, those are great things. And just kind of keeping in mind that like, if you are heating something, think about like your coffee maker. I have so many people that use like plastic coffee makers and it's like switching to like a stainless steel type situation. We got a stainless steel percolator, like an electronic one. And like that like replaced our plastic coffee maker. So like little things like that, again, just do everything slowly. I like to just make a list of all the things I want to change or swap over. And I still have stuff on that list, by the way. And I've been doing this for like seven years. Um, and then eventually like that way you can keep it in mind. And then when you go, like we had to buy a new mattress and I was like, yes, finally, like we can get a non-toxic mattress. Um, and like by having those in mind already, you don't end up being like, oh my gosh, this is so expensive. Or like you can plan for it, but you're not like looking at it million brands last minute so keep it in mind look at all your stuff make a little list and then like slowly chip away at it I think that's like the best way to go about it yeah and as you finish things up or as you you know go through things I found that to be the most you know the, the easiest way for me to do it at least and it's been like I've been doing it for two years at least and it's I'm still there's still so much that I want to switch to so it's not about perfection it's just about you know a little bit more awareness and just doing the best you can all right all right Last one. <laughs> the last I know that movement, which again, important for hormones, but important for everything. 
um, you know, sweating is really important for, for detoxification, which we've talked about for your hormones, that is imperative. There's also the, in, you know, hormonal, like endorphin and mood boosting effects, stress management when you, you know, do the right type of exercise for your body. Um, but it's tough to have balanced, happy hormones without doing some form of movement. And that doesn't need to be, you know, following a specific program unless that works for you, but like find movement that you enjoy and, and does bring you joy. And that's another way that you're just supporting, supporting your hormones. And I think too, like if you're someone that was like, maybe like a light bulb kind of went off for you when we were talking about step three or step two, one of the stress management one, if, if that was like, if you're like, wow, I have a lot of stressors, it's like, pay attention to your movement. Like walking is a, you can literally reduce your cortisol by walking. I have a lot of my clients do that at night. If they have a hard time sleeping, I'm like, go for a walk because it naturally will reduce your cortisol levels. Um, so that could be like a really good one for you. And if you were someone that's like, wow, I have this like laundry list of stressors that I'm dealing with and it could just be the point you're at in your life. You know, like maybe you just have a lot of stress going on. Kim and I are like, that's us. Then you have to adjust your, your movement. So like not killing yourself with hit exercise. And if you're doing hit, like do real hit. Cause like what we see is hit. And we talk about, I talk about this in a podcast with Adina Rubin coming up on pregnancy. And we went on this huge tangent on hit because hit is like people, I mean, even like some of my siblings and stuff, they do like hit workouts and it's like 30 seconds on 30 seconds off for like an hour. And I'm like, that's not hit. Hit is when your heart rate recovers. So you might work for like, 30 to 90 seconds and then you're probably going to rest for at least three minutes because your heart rate is supposed to be returning back to resting that's true hit workouts so if you're doing like hours long of 30 seconds on like intervals that's just cardio so keeping being realistic with yourself keeping that kind of stuff in mind working in more of that low intensity stuff like it walking might sound silly but it's neat it's non-exercise activity thermogenesis so it's like you can increase how much you're burning each day and the energy that you're using up just by walking more. And it can actually impact like your health, your weight, your body fat way more than like adding in more intense exercise. So those are just some things to consider and they can like actually help reduce stress instead of a lot of people I see their exercise, like adding to their stress. Yeah. And I think that for me, this was true. And for a lot of women that I work with, because I work with women with hormonal imbalances, getting them to do less overall exercise or and or adding in more restorative things like walking, yoga, swimming is crucial. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't do intense exercise. Like we both love CrossFit. We've done it in the past, but I just find that there's a very slippery slope because things like CrossFit and even Orange Theory can be really addictive. They're a big source of stress on your body, especially, you know, and it depends on so many different things, but there's a lot of CrossFit gyms where it's like an hour class and you're doing a super long, super taxing workout and that's stress on your body. And if you're doing that, you know, four or five, six times a week and you're not getting that proper rest, then you're definitely not recovering between sessions. Your hormones are going to, you know, your cortisol is going to be high. Your hormones are going to get out of whack from that. So it's not that there's not a time and place for it, but should you be doing it all the time? Maybe not, especially if you have hormonal concerns that you're trying to work through. Um, so low intensity exercise, don't knock it. It's really, really important. And I love walking. I've developed a whole new relationship with walking during pregnancy. 
because it's almost like it's movement for me. I get outside, but it's also meditative. Like I will either listen to a, a podcast or maybe a meditation and it gets my head completely focused on something different. So that has its own benefits too for hormones. Definitely. And so just kind of thinking about looking at where you are in your life and with your stress and your health and your hormones. And if you have less stress, then you increase your exercise. That's fine. Or keep doing the high intensity. But if you aren't sleeping well, if your periods suck or you're not getting your period at all, um, or maybe you're having issues getting pregnant, it's like, it's so important to look at all these different areas and especially movement because it can be so beneficial rather than like taking away and like, making things worse. So just considering that some of the programs that we like, if you're like, I don't know, like what to consider, like maybe you go to a CrossFit gym and you're like, well, what else can I do? Like street parking is a great one. Um, they, it's like an app you can do at home. They have a great community. I personally prefer Paragon training systems because I just cannot do the intensity right now in street parking. Like their workouts are meant to be like short and intense. And it's just like, I'm not, I can't, but Paragon training systems has a few different types of programs. Same thing with street parking. They have like a whole host. Um, but they're specifically like their regular kind of standard weightlifting one. It's like functional bodybuilding. It'll make you really jacked and fit but it's not taxing for your hormones. So that's like my favorite one to kind of do. Steph Gaudreau has her made strong. Emily Shrum has get strong. I mean, Emily is a great person to follow too. And Steph just in general. Um, and Emily talks a lot about the adrenals and like stress and stuff like that. And then uh, yoga with Adrian, you know, like that's a great free YouTube. I mean, there are so many free YouTube yoga videos. Oh, it's like there's a million out I'm of control. One of those, yeah. I'm just one of those people that's like, I'm loyal or else I get really, really, overwhelmed like I know I can go on YouTube and do yoga with Adrian and she has a lot of a lot of she has a good vibe yeah. she has a good yeah. vibe so yeah, she like, does so I think like those are like some of our favorite ones um and those are things you can definitely try we'd love to know like if you're doing something that you found really helpful but I think also just like having a little flexibility with it if you don't feel like doing the workout that day and you're like really burnt out maybe you had a hard time getting out of bed like just do yoga instead or go for a walk instead, like have creating those, like that flexibility for yourself can be really helpful because then you're also reducing your mental stress around the workout. Cause it's not just the workout. It's like, Oh my God, I didn't work out today. I feel so guilty. Or like, if I don't do this workout, this is going to happen to my body. And it's not, I promise you it's not. And like all these different like things we can kind of stress around around it. I was actually just, I just thought of that because I've been doing street parking. Um, I love their shift workouts. They're meant, they're like the more modified, less intense versions of the daily workouts. And they're really, really awesome during pregnancy, postpartum. I also would always do them like right before and during my period, like when I was, you know, more into cycle syncing when I had a cycle. Um, but it's reduced my stress a lot because we moved um, in April and I moved away from the gym that I was going to. There wasn't anything really close to me that was like that. I did join a gym, but the vibe was very different. And being able to work out at home for me has been, it's taken away a ton of stress. Where movement can sometimes, exercise can be stressful if you're you know, forcing yourself to get up super early to do it, or you're trying to squeeze it into your day. Whereas like now I have a couple pairs of dumbbells and a kettlebell and I can move at home. And that for me is really beneficial for removing stress. So think about that too. It's not just about the type of exercise, but it's about the way the exercise is also affecting you mentally. Yeah. So I think those are like some really solid tips, the five tips that we just kind of went through. Let us know what you 
took away most from this podcast, join the Balanced Babes community on Facebook. Post in the group. Let us know your biggest takeaway. You can also follow us at Balanced Babes Podcast on Instagram, where we will we share posts um, five days a week on the different basically like big learning tips from like the all the different episodes that we've done and we announce all the new episodes on there um and make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast leave us a review if you like what we're doing we've gotten a lot of really great feedback online and we'd love for you to leave us a review so more people and more women and menstruators can get access to this absolutely did you see that we got our first actual review on no. iTunes, which is really exciting yeah I saw it this morning and I was like oh my god we're official <laughs> oh we I need our- to like, go and look what yeah. is, it? is it a good one it's a good one I think it, it, it was simple it said like love this amazing information or something like that I posted it oh. on our story but oh. yeah it really I mean it makes everything that we're doing so much more powerful when we hear from you because we want to make sure that we're covering the topics that you want to hear about we're always open to your questions. We have Q&A episodes every month and we want to hear from you. So make sure that you're following us and contact us there. We're pretty readily available. All right. We will talk to you next week.